John chapter 8, verse 31. 31 through 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices, practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Amen? Path to freedom is what we would like to talk about today. The path to freedom, or the path to true freedom, however you want to put it, but the path to freedom. Many times, Scripture is used for a lot of different things. And one of the things that, you know, this, especially this passage, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, is used for a lot of things. Social injustice, things that are happening in our world, and our culture. Sometimes we flippantly say, you know, if you have the truth, the truth will set you free. But in the context of what the Scripture is saying, it's a whole entire different story. Jesus, as we've been talking about, they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. He was there, and he was doing various things. They had, earlier in chapter 8, we talked about the, the woman that was caught in adultery. We talked about a couple of the times he referenced to himself, I am the light of the world. We talked about what that really meant, that uh, Jesus is the light of the world. He, he let us know that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we dealt with all that. And then uh, even last week, we talked about the different aspects of self-righteousness and various other aspects that the Jews were caught up in just because of, of their misunderstanding of the Scripture. They did not see or understand really who Jesus really is or was at the time. Listen, the whole book of John, you got to keep this in the back of your mind. The whole book of John is to show the Jewish people that Jesus is the Son of God. No ifs, no ands, no but. Start from John 1.1 1, 1 and go to the end. It all is referencing who Christ, who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. Not a Son of God, but the Son of God. There's nobody else like him. Nobody else that will come after him that will be like him. You go to the Gospels at the very beginning, even in Matthew and Mark and Luke. Matthew talks about from the very beginning when Jesus was born. His whole sole purpose, to tie in what David said earlier, his whole sole purpose was to save us from our sin. His very name. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which meant what? God with us. He shall what? Save his people from their what? Sins. So right from the get-go, we know who he is. We should know who he is. Number one, he is God. His very name, Emmanuel, means God with us. And the fact that God would come out of heaven to dwell down on earth with creatures like us speaks a whole lot of who God is. So here it is. Here it is. So Jesus 
is there. The Jews, we talked about they had the, 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 the giant uh, candelabras there to show that he was the light of the world. That could have been the reference there. We talked about the offering time when they would give their offering. Giant horn-shaped, probably 12 or 13 of those that were there. They would put their money in. And by the time we get here, the Jews were sitting off to the side court. They were doing, the religious leaders were doing their service. But over on the other side, by the court of the women, there was Jesus standing and teaching, and people were listening. And we left off in last week, uh, verse 30, and as he was saying these things, many believed him. Amen? Many believed. So that ends that, and they were listening. Even, even Like I talked last week, have you ever been in times when somebody off to the side is saying something? You're in a conversation. But you see somebody else over here talking, and you're trying to do both conversations. You're listening to yours, but over here, your ear's like, what are they talking about over there? Oh, that's what the religious leaders were doing here. They were doing their thing, and yet on the other side, there was Jesus teaching. And they were trying to, if you want to say, dip into both conversations. They did their thing, and they were, what is, what is he really saying? So by the time we get here, Jesus lets them know, let, let those who the many believe, he gives them some instruction even from verse 30 all the way to the end of the chapter, which we won't get into. We're just going to deal with 31 through 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. These are the same people back in verse 30. He lets them know some things, some good things to us. Number one, there has to be an abiding, an remaining, a staying in, a staying put, however you want to put it. It says, if, condition. You may or you may not. But if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Somebody says, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm a believer. I don't know if I'm a disciple. Well, it's pretty simple here. If you abide in my word, Jesus' word, no if, answer, but he says, you are my disciples. Question to us, are, are you abiding in his word? If you're abiding, if you're remaining, if you're staying in, you're fixed on his word, then you are a disciple. I'm a firm believer that many of us as Christians don't know who we are because we don't go back to the book. There is no reason if you are saved today, if you're saved, you need to walk around thinking, I don't know if I am or if I'm not. You need to know that for a fact. If there was ever a time in your life that you as an individual recognized that you were a sinner, totally separated from God, deserving of God's wrath, God's judgment, God's condemnation, there was nothing good in you at all. If you were ever there and then all of a sudden somebody shared with you the good news of the gospel, and you said, wait a minute, that's me. Is there a remedy for this? Yes, there is. What's the remedy? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The remedy is believing in he who died for you. If you've done that, profess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, is the promised one, is the Messiah. The Bible says you are saved. That's how you might be. It says you are. So if you've done that, you're saved. Jesus comes back and reiterates that same truth with some more words by saying, if you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free to do whatever you want? No, free to do what he wants you to do. Amen. 
You shall know what is true. God's word is truth. The more you and I are in the word, the more his truth is in us, the more we outlive what he says. And here's the thing that's so beautiful about what he says. It says, if you abide, if you remain in me, you will know the truth. One thing about the truth is the truth can hurt. Amen? I mean, sometimes we don't. I remember the scene in uh, A Few Good Men, one of my favorite scenes, when uh, Jack Nicholson's on the stand, and they're trying to get him to admit that he did a code red, and uh, Tom Cruise bite, gets him to bite on the bait, and he says those famous words, you really, if you want the truth, you don't want the, you want the truth? No, if you want the truth, you don't really want the truth. You don't, you really want it, but you don't want it. And he says, well, here's what it is. He just goes random about, you don't want to know the truth. You don't want to know about why there's Marines standing on the wall. I and mean, he went through the whole thing. That's the same thing about us. We might think we want the truth, but if, especially God in his word, paints who we are, most of us like to flee. It was like, whoa, have you ever had, back in the day, we used to call somebody, read your pedigree. You know, they just, 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 just tell you, you think you, you ain't but blah, 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 you know. First initial reaction is you're going to fight. But here's the other part of it. Maybe some of what they said was what? True. One thing you can't do with God is you can argue, but you can't fight with God because God's going to present the truth. Who is that talked about looking in the mirror? Yeah. Depending on what kind of mirror you got. Most mirrors show us who we are. I look pretty good. Well, yeah. And you get in front of the mirror and you go, ooh, it's not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> on, on, on some things, you look skinny. Oh, you lose some weight? Go stand in a mirror. Go get it on television. They say television puts 10, 15 pounds on you. Do you be like, well, I'm, ooh, that's not too good. That's what God's word is. It's a mirror. And Jesus is letting us know that if you and I, if we say we're going to buy, I say I'm going to remain, Lord, I'm going to remain in your word. Be careful what you say. I'm going to remain in your word. I'm going to abide in your word. He says, by the way, if you do that, you'll know the truth. The truth is not what I think. The truth is what God, what God has already said. My brother and I was in a conversation, uh, this, well, I think it was Friday, I think we were, and he was talking about truth. And in this age in which we live, in postmodernism, there's a new term that came into the dictionary just, I believe it was last year. It's called post-truth. By which the world, many in the world, maybe some of us, live by. You can now not necessarily state the truth. This is where we live in. This is how people on television, people uh, in churches and wherever. It's a post-truth era in which you don't necessarily state the truth. You state, the, you state what you state based on a belief that what you're saying to you is true. And if somebody else wants to believe it, that's fine. But if they don't, so that's why somebody can say something and you say, well, that's not true. Well... That's not true to you, but that's true to me. You watch our politics. You listen to what the, a lot of the politicians say. They all state something, 
and it was proven not to be true, but they won't admit it's not true. They say it's, ba- it's relative. God's word will do. You can't get around it. He says you will know the truth, and the, tr- the truth will set you free because you're no longer bound by all the things that bind us because now you know the truth. You know the way. You, Jesus, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the light. Follow in my way. I am the way. Not a way, the way. I am the truth. I'm not a truth. I'm the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. And if you do that, I am the life. You want to have, Jesus, what did he say? If you want life, you can have it how? More abundantly. How do you have the abundant life? You have the abundant life by living in the truth of the word of God. By trusting in Jesus. By trusting in his word. He says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They had a natural question. But again, like we talked last week, they were not thinking spiritually. They were thinking worldly because their first response is, well, wait a minute. I, we can know the truth. The truth will set us free. We've never been enslaved. They said, as if we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been in slavery. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They were enslaved. They were enslaved to their own desires. They were enslaved to their own wrong thinking. And if they look at their own history, they had been enslaved by the uh, Egyptians many years ago. They thought on a worldly plane rather than thinking on a heavenly plane. The same thing we have a problem with today. If you don't think spiritually with the mind of Christ, you will dwell on the things of this world and the things of the earth. And I guarantee you, every time you focus on this world, your, your focus, your thinking, your view of the world is, is, is all screwed up. It has to be. Because it's not based on truth. Jesus said the devil is a what? A liar. You know what the devil's great tool is? You know what they call the devil? An angel of what? Light. He's not the light. He's an, an angel of light. There's a big difference. He can paint a picture to be pretty much what we think is true. But in reality, it is not. It looks like it's the real thing, but it's not. The same thing is true even what's going on here. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave. Is a slave to sin. If your lifestyle, who you are, continually, habitually, is in sin, you're a slave to sin. It has enslaved you. You're captured by it. Now, I know what your next question is. Well, can Christians be enslaved? Sure. We can sin, but we should not be practicing sin. There's a difference. There's a difference between the, the believer who uh, sin and the person whose their whole lifestyle is nothing but sin. And if there is a sin in your or my life that has captured us, we need to release that and let Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit let that go and watch God give us what we're talking about in Sunday school, the victory that's in Christ. For if you and I were in Sunday school, you don't have to sin. We've been given victory over it. There's no such thing as the devil made me do it. Oh, Pastor, you just don't know. You just don't know. There's things I like to do. Who are you talking to? I asked a question the other week. Is is sin fun? 
Yes. That's the mastermind of the devil. There is pleasure in sin for a season. But make no mistake, at the end, you have to pay for it. If I, if I had to try to start exercising these last, last month with all the, the cakes and pies and all that other stuff, I'd be bigger than I am now. That's our problem. We don't know how to resist. My brother says he's hooked on sweets. So some of us like sweet. Some of us like salt. Some of, some of us like sweet and salt. Sometimes I can eat something sweet and turn right around and go, ooh, something salty sure would be good right now. Eat a nice, my wife made apple crisp. I'm going to be a few moments later, I'll be thinking, hmm, something to counterbalance that sweetness. I need something salty. I tell you what we'll do tonight. We'll pop some popcorn, and we just won't have the air puff popcorn. We're going to have the popcorn with the butter and all that other. Yes. Shame on me. Do you not know that's what the devil does to you and I? He tells us, wait a minute, just have this little bit here. But by the way, add a little bit more. It's just so, it's so delicious. It's so wonderful. You'll, you'll enjoy it. And then Jesus says, by the way, you have been enslaved. If you practice it, you're a slave to it. Let's just admit it. There's some areas in our life we're a slave to sin. But here's the key for us as believers. We've been given the victory in Christ. You don't have to do it. Greater, here it is. Greater is he that is what? In you than he who we have residing within us, the Holy Spirit, who will help us to resist the devil. Draw nigh unto God and ask the devil to flee. Tell him when you feel those moments, and most times, let's just be honest with ourselves, a lot of times we're getting ready to do something, we kind of know what we're doing is not really right. There's that little voice in the back of our head that goes, now you know, you know, you know this ain't, you know, this ain't right. I was standing with some Christian brothers and sisters the other day, and we were talking about some stuff, and uh, the flesh was getting ready to come out of me. I was getting ready to say, well, hell yes, you know that ain't, you know. And I, and, I, and, I, and I caught myself before I said that. I went, oh, Jesus, please. Because if I say that, like I just said it here, there's people. Now why, why, he's the pastor. Why would he even say something like that? I say something like that because many of us say the same thing. Don't tell me you ain't never thought of something. Don't tell me you never said a word. Something come on. If, you catch you, if I catch you in the wrong spirit at the right if the Holy Spirit doesn't have a hold of you, and the other spirit has a hold of you. Oh, there's a whole lot of stuff that comes out of our mouth. There's a whole lot of things that we do at that moment. And then you have to say, you have to say oh, Jesus, have mercy, my father. Please forgive me. Amen. I'm glad I didn't say that because they're the type of people that take stuff too seriously sometimes. I'm not as Christian-y as some of my other believers are. It's like somebody asked me, uh, Pastor, if you do such and such, is, is that really a bad thing? I tell them, listen, there is freedom in Christ, but you always got to consider the weaker brother. We have a right to do a lot of things, but do we do it? That's the issue. Case in point, I grew up in a church where dress, women in dresses was, uh, and pants was a no-no. You didn't come to church in slacks, pants, jeans. Whatever. Even if you were cleaning the church, they'd be, you know, was that a personal preference? More so, yes. I didn't have no scripture to base that on. Because 
and I get it. The issue isn't how you look on the outside, but what's on the inside. I get that. But also, look at this. How you do look on the outside does dictate how you act. You act a little bit differently when you're dressed up more so than when you're just wearing your, your sweats and your T-shirt. You know. I like some of these school teachers. I'm looking at them. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Y'all need to get dressed. There's a certain professionalism about that. But, yeah, that was one. Alcohol's always been a big one. Should Christians drink? Well, do not be drunk with wine. Worry is excess. Do I have the freedom to drink? Sure. But if you're going to take a stumbling trip over your feet because I'm sitting there with a Paps Blue Ribbon or Miller or Bud, <laughs> no, I don't do that. Why? Because I'm thinking of you. I have A train is only as free as it can be as long as it what? Stays on the tracks. Got what I'm saying? A train is as free as it can be as long as it's on the track. Once it gets off the track, what happens? Chaos. That's the same way we ought to live our Christian life. We have a lot of freedom in Christ, but if I'm out with some people, I'll give you, I got one sitting right here. I'm going to use you, Sister Mariana. Years ago, this is mine. This ain't, this ain't nothing. Years ago, my air conditioner broke down. Okay? I'm trying to fix it. We had, we had guests over. It was not 105 out. And I'm sweating. I'm like, the air is on. Why am I sweating? Why are we still sweating? So I call her up. She comes over. And at the time, I didn't have any shoes on. No shoes, no socks. Ain't no biggie to me. But you know what? She comes in. And we go outside to look at the condenser thing. And she looks over. She goes, oh, my God, Pastor. You don't have any shoes on or socks. I can't handle this. I can't look at your feet. No, nah, I guess maybe my feet were ugly. Maybe that was the issue. Maybe I got ugly feet. But she was really bent out of shape because I didn't have any socks or shoes on. I'm like, are you serious? That's a minor thing. But if a brother or sister in Christ is going to stumble over something, we got to always take in consideration the weaker person. Jesus is trying to get them to understand. Listen. Many believe, but here's the key. The truth of the word of the gospel is what really sets us free. Because once I know what God wants, once God tells me through his word what he wants me to do, guess what? I'm at full liberty. I'm in, I got freedom to operate within the confines of the word of God. And do you not think that God's word, living for him, doing it the right way, ultimately makes me more free than if I do it my way. Amen? They try to get messed up because they were the offspring of Abraham. Oh, yeah, you know, who, you, know, Abraham, you know, the Jews were good. Abraham, Isaac, do you know who my dad, do you know who our father is? They're talking to, they're talking to Jesus. They're talking to God. Do you not know Abraham's our father? We're the, we're the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just so you know. How many times have you tried to pull that off? Do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm a blah, blah, blah? Ultimately, what happens is people who, what does that mean? Who cares? Jesus says, truly, truly, if you practice sin, you're a slave to it. The slave will remain. You'll stay in that state. He says, I am the son. He has come for the simple fact to release us from our slavery. There is true freedom in Christ. All this stuff that, listen, you cannot live your Christian life to the degree that you're always conscious of 
what other people will say or think. You ought to live your Christian life in the consciousness of what does Christ say about what I'm doing. For if you live for Christ and do the things of Christ, it'll take care of what everybody else says. Well, I don't like it because you came to church without a suit and a tie on, Pastor. Well, I couldn't come to a church today with a suit and tie because I can't use my hand. I can't button my shirt. I can't barely zip my pants. That's why I keep, okay, I'm good. <laughs> you know, it hurts. But I said, I'm going to go as comfortable as I can and let hopefully look halfway decent. Amen? And if you don't like it, I apologize. But I can't live in that consciousness of that. I got to do what pleases the Lord. And in my pleasing the Lord, hopefully you're going to be taken care of. Amen? If you please God, what have I told us? Look, if you do right by God, you'll do right by your fellow man. I am not, listen, I don't worry about people wanting to be members of the church. My first concern is, are they saved? For if they're saved, then the next step is they will become members of a church. Our problem is we got a lot of members of the church who aren't necessarily saved. Not just here or everywhere. And it's proven by what Jesus gets ready to say. We left off in verse 30. Many believe. But here's what Jesus is going to tell them. Listen to what he says. So if the Son acts, sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring. I know who you are. I know you're the offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. You do what you have seen and heard from your father. In other words, many believe, but th their belief wasn't truly already locked into who Christ was. There's the abiding and then there's a true believing. Not all faith is believing faith or active faith. That's not all. It's not people say, but they believe. But they didn't believe fully. They recognized who he was. Okay, he's, he's Jesus. That's a good thing. But beyond that, that's all they were willing to recognize him for. For they, didn't take, they did not do the rest of what Jesus is telling them right here. They did not remain or abide in him. You're going to be my disciples. You've got to stay with me. You've got to abide in me. You've got to remain in me. And too many people in the church, in the faith, in Christ, they start out, but they don't finish. You cannot, if you're going to be a true disciple, you go from the beginning to the end. No matter what comes in your life, no matter, lose your job. We talked about it this morning. Faith and Abel, all the patrons, faith of Abraham, uh, Hebrews 11, you know what they did? In spite of what they were going through, they still stayed with Christ. The Hebrew writer says, listen, many of those people we're talking about in this book, I just told you about, many of them were lit up like candles in, in the courtyard of life because Nero didn't like Christians. Many were put into animals, sold, sold into animals, and then they released the lions and put them out on the sport for game. Those were people who remained in, yes, they're going to get a reward because we can't take it if it's cold outside. We're Baptists. If it rains, you should be here. There probably be people of water. Snow could be knee high to a drive. Still be here. Why? That well, I'm going to remain in Him no matter what. Pastor, you just don't know. It's cold out there. Pastor, you just don't know. It's hot out there. Pastor, you just don't know. I'm tired. Pastor, you just don't know. I, I, hey, I didn't sleep well at all last night. But I'm happy to be here. I said to myself, you know what? Now, devil, the devil said, oh, here, here's what you need to do. 
Hey, what time is it? Is this five o'clock in the morning? You need to wake your wife up. <laughs> she says, huh. <laughs> you need to wake your wife up. Tell her we're gonna go, we're gonna we're gonna go over to Miami Valley South. Then you need to call uh, the brothers and say, I won't be there this morning because uh, my hand's really hurting and it's really painful. And uh, uh, you know, y'all carry on. Sing, say a little something. Amen, brother. And I said, oh, wait a minute, who's talking to me, the devil or myself? It was the devil. I said, no, I need to be there. Because I want us to know that we have the path to freedom because our true freedom is in Christ. He says, I know who you are. But what I have seen, I speak of what I have seen from my, I'm just telling you who my father is. I'm telling you what I see and what he has said to me. And you do what you have heard from your father. Now, here's the thing. You know who his father, you know who their father really was? If you follow on down through there, he really tells them your father is the devil. The very people who believe, Jesus ultimately tells them your father is the devil. I want to share a couple of things about this believing and abiding. Follow with me a couple of scriptures and I'll be done. Matthew 12, 50. The gospel of Matthew chapter 12, verse 50. Just talking about the truth of the scriptures and the truth of the word of God. Matthew 12, 50. Don't take my word for it. Take the Bible's word for it. Look what Jesus says here. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my what? Brother and sister and mother. You want a relationship with Christ? He says, whoever does the will of the Father. You've got to do his will, not my will. Go back with me to John chapter 14. John 14. I love the, I love the scriptures because it just takes out all questions. If you're going to argue with somebody, argue with God. Don't argue with me. Say, okay, pastor, you said it, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If you want to argue with the Bible, you and God want to argue, God bless you. John 14, 15, here it is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, wait a minute, pastor. Is that really, what's that saying? I think it's saying what it really says. How many say they love Jesus? Amen. I love him. I love God. I love Jesus. If you love me. So if you love him, that means you're keeping his what? Commandments. I'm not going to say any more. I don't want to dwell on that because that can get us in trouble. Go with the 14, let me see here, verse uh, 21, I think. Yeah, verse 21 of 14. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. One is, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then the other one, verse 21, is whoever has those, if you get the commandments, keep them. And if you keep them, he says, you love me. Do you love him? Keep his commandments. Verse 23 and 24. Drop on down a little bit. The same chapter. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him. And make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Keep his word. 
You love him. And I like what he says. He says, and we, God, the Trinity, the God, and we will come to you. And we will make our home with you. Don't talk to me about you love Jesus and you're not keeping his commandments. You can't have one without the other. If you love him, keep his commandments. Amen? 15, 14 of John. Only one more and I'm done. 15, 14. Somebody says that I'm a friend of God. Well, let's see how good a friend you are. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Amen? It's, we put a lot of emphasis on us to God. It's really about God to us. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, not that I was on his side, because, I, you know, the old adage of it's not we holding God's hand, it's what? God holding our hand. How many times have you and I let go of the hand of God? But God is faithful. He's just. He's not going to. If you're his child, he will hold you to the end. How many times have we let go of God because things didn't go out like we thought they were going to go? Oh, no, God. I I don't want that. No, Lord. You're you're causing me to do. I don't know. It's not working out like I wanted to work. Who are you? God's got your life together. Amen. Last one but not least. John. 1 John chapter 2. All the way to the end. 1 John chapter 2. First John, second John, but we want first John. Chapter two and verses four through six. About the abiding, about the remaining, about the keeping of his commandments. If we do that, he's, he's gonna show his love to us. First John chapter two, two, begin, beginning with verse number four. Here we are. Whoever, we're the part of the whoever. Whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. I know him, but you're not keeping his commandments. The Bible says, I didn't say, it says you're a liar. And not only that, here it is, what we've been talking about, and the truth is not in him. Not only are you a liar, but the truth is not in you. That's a double whammy. If we're going to say, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments. You are a liar, and the truth is not in you. But, here's the good, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected, or the love of God is matured. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides, and there's that word again, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If I'm a, diff- a disciple is a follower of Christ, a follower of Christ, a true disciple was an exact, was trying to be the exact image of the person who he was following. Back in that time, if there was the rabbi or the head person that was teaching, he would have all these people who were called disciples. And as he was walking and teaching, they listened very carefully to every word he said. They get, we do it today. They even got it down to how he walked, how he talked, his manner. They want to be a true disciple. That word simply means that if you and I say we are disciples of Jesus, we want to be little Christ. We want to be like him in everything that we do. A disciple is like the person who has taught them. And if we're not living like that, what does that say? He may not be teaching us. Because if you're a disciple and I'm a disciple, 
we ought to exhibit the person of whom we're studying. And some of the stuff that we do, we know is not in Jesus. Amen. Lights and walls. Last one. John 5. John 5, 3. John, 1 John 5, 3. 1 John. Well, we were already in John. I'm sorry. 1 John 5, 3. First John 5, 3, and here's what he says, seals up the case. For this is the love of God. What is the love of God? What is it? Here's it. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You, you know why it's not burdensome? Because you and I by ourselves cannot live the Christian life. We have to have him live it through us. Get up this morning, get ready to go do what you're going to do and say, you know what? From, okay, from, from now to the end of today, I am going to be a model citizen. I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to think good thoughts. I'm not going to say any words that I shouldn't say. I'm not going to, I'm going to be totally in this thing. And before you walk out to church, maybe you get in your car, maybe you get home, Something's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, the light goes off again. Well, I started out thinking, I was, but you know, we're going to be like Adam and Eve. It was, that, it was that woman you gave me. She caused me to, my wife, my sons, my job, you know. We've been doing that ever since. Adam, I mean, Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed the woman. He, Adam said, no, 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 Lord, it's that woman you gave me. She, she caused me to sin. Oh, no. Can't buy anybody. And then he said, well, no, no, it was the serpent. He, he beguiled me. He just wooed me over, and I just, yeah, it's not my fault. But I like what Jesus says here. This is love. His love is that his commandments are not burdensome. What he wants you to, how he wants us to live our life isn't really a burden. If we give it to him. Amen. Abiding, remaining is a true path to freedom. You're free. You're free indeed in Christ. That means a lot. I, I don't have time to deal with all the rest of it, but that, if you just got that much, the freedom we have in Christ, the abiding in Christ, the remaining in him, the believing. And that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. That ought to carry you from now till next Sunday. Because you know that it's not how you and I want to. It's what we've already got in him. we got all the power we need. I've got a car that says it goes up to 120, 140, whatever it is. I've never used all that horsepower. But in case I ever do, it's there. Amen.